But this morning, Warren, if you'll take me down just a little bit, I get, I've got a lot of volume. I, I, want, I want to get a little, there you go. I may want to get a little bit louder than I am. This, this morning, I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled A Matter of Osseous Combustion. I'm sure you all know what that means. You know, osseous combustion. Osseous combustion. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn them to Jeremiah chapter 20. And there we'll find a clue as to what osseous combustion is. Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20. And as we go there, we find that Jeremiah, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, much like other people, um, like Noah, you know, Noah preached for some 120 years and his message fell for the most part on deaf ears. His family's basically all that got saved and, well, maybe that happened because it was their daddy and their father-in-law and husband and, you know, but as Jer- Jeremiah, Jeremiah had a tough way to go in far as preaching. Now let me tell you something, all of us like to be loved. All of us like to be liked. You know, I read something by Dr. Tom Rayner a, a year or so ago. It says if you're in pastoral ministry and you're hoping that everyone's going to love you, you've picked the wrong job. He said if you if you want everybody to love you, you need to be an ice cream salesman. And even that, I don't know if everybody would love you because you might end up with the wrong flavor, you know. But Jeremiah is speaking to the Lord here. And I want you to, I want you to think about what he's saying and the frame of mind that Jeremiah is speaking in. He said, you deceive me, Lord. You deceive me. Can you believe the gall that that man had to tell the Lord that he had been deceived? That he was the deceiver. You deceived me, Lord. And I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone, everybody is mocking me. Let me put that, let me put that in good old West Virginia English. Lord, you deceived me. You overpowered me. You you took over my life. And now people are making fun of me all day long. I'm the laughing stock of Blue Well. I'm the laughing stock of Bluefield. I'm the laughing stock of Princeton, Pocahontas, Welch, Bosabane, Bland, Whistle. I'm the biggest laughing stock in the world. Verse 8, whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. That's what he said. He said every time, he said, anytime I open my mouth, he said, all, all, all I'm doing is proclaiming violence and destruction. He said, so the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Now, 
Keep in mind there, when he's saying the word of the Lord, he's not necessarily talking. We think of the word of the Lord, we think of scripture. But what he's referring to is the is the word of prophecy that the Holy Spirit has given him. Because see, this is Old Testament and the Holy Spirit has not been poured out on all of humanity yet. As it will be in the upper room in later on, you know, in the days following Easter. But what we find here is in this day, the Spirit spoke expressively through certain men declared prophets. Jeremiah was one of those men. He says, so the world has brought me, the Lord has brought insult and reproach all the day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in, indeed, I cannot. I want to preach to you this morning again with a thought in mind, a matter of osseous combustion. In other words, a matter of fire being locked up in your bones. You see, the circumstances of Jeremiah have already gave, given you much background. It, it was a message that had been given to him by God. Well, let me finish reading. Let me read some more. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb. I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm too young, but you must go to everyone. I send you to say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I've appointed you over nations and kingdoms and uproot and tear down and destroy and overthrow to build. And you see, Jeremiah's call was a message that was not popular. It was a message that was hard. Sometimes as a pastor, I have to preach hard messages. The Lord puts them in my spirit. I would rather make you all feel good. I would rather make you all smile. I would like to instigate a shout. I'd love to see you run some miles. Perhaps even walk the back of the pews. Maybe even swing from a chandelier. As long as they're good and secure. You know, but, but this message that's given to Jeremiah is, is not necessarily a message that is, uh, is not a message that is been made popular or that is popular. You see, but yet God called him into that message. You see, the competition was stiff and his popularity was slim because what we see happen is when we study the book of Jeremiah, there were false prophets in that day as well. And those false prophets, and, and, and you know, typically when we think of false prophets, we, we think of false prophets as, well, you know, somebody that's preaching something other than the gospel or other than the word of God. And, and, and that so much is, that's very, very true. But the reality of it is, is the, the false prophet is somebody that is bringing forth something that it's other than the will of God. And of course, if it's other than the word of God, it's something other than the will of God. 
But Jeremiah is dealing with false prophets in his day. And those prophets were preaching, uh, no, 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 no. The wrath of God is not forthcoming. No, 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 no. You don't need to repent. No, 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 no. No, it, God, God, and, and sometimes, and I'm not, I'm not ridiculing all, all ministries or all the portion of this ministries, but I do believe God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul does prosper. But I think even today, that, that has become distorted in so many ways because we live in a generation that 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 has prosperity without purpose and we live in a day that we see people that 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 are that are saved without repentance at least according to their testimony but understand with me this morning that 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 can't happen that, that in order for us to be saved there must be repentance in order for us to be saved we must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ but there must be a repentance there must be a turning in order for us to be blessed we must be uh Submitted unto the Lord. I cannot expect my life to be a life of prosperity as we hear it today if I am not submitted to the Lord. So Jeremiah found himself in opposition. Because he was preaching a message, and that message was one that he said was was violence and destruction is how he described it. And he says it's brought me insult and it's brought me reproach. And people have I've been embarrassed, and people have talked about me. People have said mean things about me. They've been ugly towards me. And you understand with me this morning that what we find is. Jeremiah is experiencing a feeling or feelings of rejection. Now, when I, when I study the Word of God, when I get to the New Testament, I, fi- I still find that, that, that people that follow Jehovah, people that follow God, people, Jesus people, I have found as I studied Scripture that Jesus people too have suffered rejection. I can't expect, and I should not expect everybody to like me. Nor should you, as a Jesus follower. Yeah, I can't expect everything that I, that I, every principle that I stand on, every biblical principle, which I believe is the principle that all other moral principles are established on. I can't expect everybody to like me if I'm going to stand on the principle of scripture. Because it's contrary. It's contrary to, to the flesh, you see. It's contrary to people who are not walking in the Spirit, if you would. So, so, the need to be loved, it's, it's, it's a, it's a paradoxical thing. The need to be loved is genuine. It is genuine. We all have a need to be loved, but, it, but it's also fleshly. Because it's our, it's, it's genuine in that we need to feel love. In our, our, our souls need to feel loved. Our, we yearn for love in our souls, but yet our flesh also yearns for love in the, but, but the difference is the, 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 the flesh, the, the carnal man of us, we are willing, sometimes we are willing to negotiate or to neglect the convictions of the Word of God and what the Lord has spoke to us for the sake of being loved and being accepted. 
I think God is love. The Bible establishes that. I believe the word and I believe God is love. But I also realize in this day and age that we live in, uh, you know, and I, again, I've heard this all of my life and so have you. And, and that, 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 you know, as the day gets closer, the Bible tells us things will begin to unfold. And years ago, years, 25, 30 years ago, I, I, you know, I've heard so many people predict who, who the Antichrist, you know, some of you older people, you you've heard names like Harry, Harry, uh, Henry Kissinger, you remember that? Henry Kissinger was gonna be the Antichrist. Richard Nixon was gonna be the Antichrist, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter was gonna be the Antichrist, yeah, and, and there was all kind of, for years and years and years as people have been hearing it, you know, some people said Trump was gonna be the Antichrist, some people think Biden is gonna be the Antichrist. Listen to me, listen to me. But with beyond a shadow of a doubt, things are unfolding right before our very eyes like we've never seen before. And the scripture that that says as it was in the days of Noah. And and as it was with Sodom and Gomorrah, we're seeing all of this uh, plan. And it is a plan, by the way. It's a plan that's ordained by God. We're seeing it unfold in front of our very eyes. And I think that we as believers and followers of Jesus, I think we need to be very careful that we continue to uphold the the correctness, if you would, the righteousness of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and the word of God. And we can't afford to back down. We can't afford to 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 relax ourselves for the sake of we may not be popular. Do you realize that just because I don't agree with someone doesn't mean that I hate them? Did you know that? If you don't agree with me, it doesn't mean that you hate me, nor does it mean I hate you. And I think that we as the, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that, that our foundation must be in this book. Our foundations must be in this writing. You see, for Jeremiah, it brought murmurings behind his back. It brought plots. If you read verse 10 out of chapter 20, you find it brought plots for his harm. If you read there in verse 7 and 8, you find it brought insults and it brought mockery. They were the everyday thing. For Jeremiah, Jeremiah seemingly uh, had no friends. He had no close comrades. He even, if you read down in verses 14 and 15, you find that Jeremiah even cursed the day that he was born. That's how tough it was being the messenger of God and being the servant of God. He even came to that point in verse 7 that he accused God of deceiving him. So I can't tell you that being a Jesus follower is going to make you popular. I can't tell you that that being a Jesus follower is going to make everyone to simply love you. I can't tell you, I can't tell you that being a, a disciple of Christ is the most laid back, easiest responsibility that you'll ever take on. 
I can't tell you that because, because I find that they're, they're, even though the, the, the yoke and the burden, even though they're easy and light, you, I, I find that they're still there. They're still there. And serving Jesus, serving Jesus requires a real man and it requires a real woman, if you would, to stand up and to carry the cross of the kingdom of God, to carry the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do so, it's not going to make us popular. But in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, Jeremiah knew that he knew. You see... That's how it came to the first chapter here. The call of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 is when the word of the Lord came to me saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb and I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord. Jeremiah knew that he knew. Jeremiah knew he had had an encounter with the almighty God. Jeremiah understood and knew and beyond any shadow of a doubt, he realized he had encountered God. You know what? I'm, I'm, I've told you all before about my, one of my mother's friends and it was old Sister Porterfield. Sister Porterfield was a spirit-filled Methodist woman and Sister Porterfield, she would say, and my mom was Jean, and she would speak to my mom. She said, Jean, I know that I know. And she'd have this hand, you know, she had one of the hand things. She said, I know that I know that I know that I know that my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I know that I know that I know that I have the home full of the Holy Ghost. And she said, there ain't enough devils in hell to make me think otherwise. She said, because I was there when it happened. She said, and I'm still holding on today. She'd say things like, and I'm riding that old ship of Zion headed on home. You see, she had a relationship that was undisputed. And she knew that she knew that she knew. And just like Miss Porterfield, Jeremiah also remembered that day. He never forgot that day. You know, I I remember uh, years ago we used to sing a song and uh, in the church, and and it it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a really a, a spiritual spiritual song. It it wasn't it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't a deep uh, a deep thread of worship song, but that song said. Well, it was on a Monday that the Lord saved me. The Lord saved me. The Lord saved me. Well, it was on a Monday that the Lord saved me. What was the next verse to it? I forgot that next line. But anyway, it went on through. It was on a Tuesday that the Lord saved me. What will you do? Is everybody that was saved on Monday when you started singing, it was on a Monday that the Lord saved me. Everybody that got saved on Monday, they would stand to their feet. Then they would remain standing. Then when you get to Tuesday, it was, it was on a Tuesday and your Tuesdays would stand up. And if, 
if then you get to Wednesday, and by the time you got to Thursday, them Monday people, them little them little women in the church, they'd be they'd be doing one of these, you know. By the time you got to Thursday, by the time you got to Friday, they're 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 doing this number, and by the time you got to Sunday, if you hadn't never had a day that the Lord saved you, you was ready to jump up and give your heart and life to Jesus. Let me tell you why. I don't remember exactly the date, but I do remember it was on a Tuesday in March that the Lord saved me, and I have never forgot it. I still remember the encounter. It's not always been easy, and I'm not always been perfect, but I remember and I know that I know that I know that I had an encounter with Jesus that has changed my life and changed my direction, and here I am now some 40 some 40 some years later I still know that I know that I know because it was on a Tuesday that the Lord saved me. And what I'm talking about is and what Jeremiah shares when we go back to that first chapter is unforgettable encounters with God. You see, because from this first chapter of Jeremiah to the 20th chapter where we read in the, at the beginning of this message, from, back to Jeremiah chapter 20 and in particular verse number 9, this, Jeremiah said this, but if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. From Jeremiah chapter 1 to Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, there's somewhere in there, there is the space of 24 years. 24 years since Jeremiah heard the word of the Lord speak. 24 years since that uh, osseous combustion, that fire was ignited in his bones. Listen to me. You may be serving Jesus a long time. You may be serving Jesus 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, maybe even 60 years, maybe beyond that. But let me tell you this. The fire that was ignited in your bones is still a fire that burns today. You might need to stir up some coals. You might need to, you know, my mom, we had an old warm morning stove still out there and daddy sitting in the, sitting in the cellar. And, and, and I can remember my mom. My mom was the stoker of the fire. She said daddy couldn't build a good fire. And I remember she would get up in the mornings and out you could hear the bottom door of that warm morning stove open. Little, little, little six by Six something like window, and she would stick that. I, I called it a great shaker, and she would stick that thing in there and clang, 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 clang. She would shake the grates in that stove, and then all of a sudden it would start. It would start raising up a little bit of flame in there, and next thing I know, she had that old coal bucket, and she is dumping coal in the top door on that stove, and all of a sudden that thing, and about give it about fifteen or twenty minutes, and the back of it would be red as a beet. And I would jump out of bed and I would run in there and I would do the rotisserie thing around behind that stove to get good and warm because we didn't have central heat in the house. But let me tell you something. The fire, it might have died down during the night. It might have grown dim. It, you can look in that thing and it looked like it was all gone. But if you'd shake up the coals just a little bit, if you'd stir them up and fuel it just a little bit more, the fire would once again burn and burn as hot as it has ever 
never been before. And that is what we need in our lives right now. You see, the fire of God. Shoot, y'all making me sweat this morning. The fire of God is an unextinguishable. Inexhaustible. All-consuming. Eternal fire. That was ignited when Jeremiah was about, he was approximately 17 years old when Jeremiah chapter 1 was given to him. 17 year old boy. For those of you in this room's younger, take, take great encouragement in that because as the scripture says, let no man despise the days of your youth because As 17 year old, God was calling Jeremiah. And he was calling him with a word that was, that, that he was going to have to be, he was going to have to be a a man of a thousand cuts. His skin was going to have to be tough. His, 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 his back was going to have to be strong. His shoulders were going to have to be broad because he was carrying the weight of the kingdom. But yet 24 years later, that's 17, then he's 24 and then he still realizes the fire of God is still burning. And that fire is never changing. That fire is never changing because when we get 450 years later, 450 years after Jeremiah chapter 20, we find a guy named Paul. Paul had a Jeremiah encounter. We call it the Damascus Road experience. When Paul is brought, literally brought to his knees, he, he has a dust road baptism. Right in the middle of that road on, on the way to Damascus, Paul, Paul is brought down and he, and he, and he's even, he's even temporarily blinded and, and, and Paul has this experience with, with, with the Lord and, and, and this same one, the same God, the same Jesus that he's been persecuting his, his disciples and his followers. He has an experience and an encounter with him. And we find in Romans chapter eight, then Paul is writing to the church at Rome. Paul, Paul that spent much of his Christian life in jail, in persecution. Paul writes to the church at Rome and he said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardships, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor demon, neither the present, nor the future, nor powers, neither... I can't read my own writing. Neither life, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, Paul had a, Paul had a, another, or a similar encounter, an osseous combustion. He had an emission of a, uh, of a fire. He had, he had a, an inferno 
that was lit in his spirit and in his soul on that road to Damascus. And Paul is now writing. And Paul has been through so much persecution. Paul has been so near death's door. Paul has been beaten. Paul has been, he's been laughed at. He's been ridiculed. And Paul, but Paul remembers as he writes to this all-important church at Rome, he remembers the fire that has started down with in him. Paul remembers that God is moving and working in his life. So what we find is the fire comes with a genuine encounter with God. It's not for me to judge, it's only for you to discern. But I, I think we must ask ourselves as, as, as church folks, church folks, I think we must ask ourselves, church folks, we must ask ourselves, you know, you know, I can, I, I know a lot of people that say they're God fearing, but they're not God serving. I know a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, many people, according to research and statistics, a lot of people that say they're, they're Christian in name only. But understand this with me, that, that a genuine encounter with God is a, an encounter that is going to ignite a fire. A fire that is undeniable. A fire that is irrevocable. You see, and I say that because there, there, you may be in this room or you may be watching this morning by, by live stream, but I want you to realize this. I want you to know this. Uh, do I believe that you can backslide? Yeah, I do believe you can backslide, but I also believe this, that God says He's married to the backslider. Listen. He's not, he's not going he didn't save you just to let you get up and run away from home. The prodigal didn't give everything to his son just to say, I'm through with you, bud, go on down the road. Now he sat out on the front porch and waited on him every day to come back across the horizon. Let's see, he's undeniable and it's irrevocable. And the scripture says that we're sealed to the day of redemption. When we have had that encounter with God, when we have had that experience, a genuine encounter with God, it's, it's the, it's that fire encounter that it's that fire encounter that will cause us, even when we've wandered far away, it will bring us back home because even though it was 24 years from the time that, 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 that we find Jeremiah received the call, until he's praying in Jeremiah chapter 20. Even though he's not backslidden, he is discouraged and we find that he remembered the fire. Listen, some of you in this room, some of you watching, you need to remember the fire. You need to remember the fire that was birthed in you wherever your altar was. It may have been in a church. It may have been in a car driving down the road. It may have been in a tr- on a, beside of a tree stump up on the mountain somewhere. It may have been in your bathroom, it may have been in your living room, it could have been anywhere you could possibly think of but let me tell you what, if you had a genuine encounter with God through the man Jesus Christ there is a fire that was ignited in you and that flame might have flickered but it's never gone out, you need to shake the grates you need to stir the coals you need to fuel the fire and you need to let that fire that's locked up in your bones come out one more time, Jeremiah said 
Jeremiah said, I try not to speak, but I can't help it. Every time I open my mouth, the fire comes out. Listen, when we get full of the fire, it will come out. It will radiate out of us. It will manifest in us and through us. Because out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. And they may be fire water if you would. So it's a matter of osseous combustion. It's a matter of fire being locked up in our bones. Fire being locked up in our bones. You see, that's what had happened to Jeremiah. There was fire locked up in his bones. By the time we got to chapter 20, it had been there 24 years. By the time we got to the Apostle Paul, that fire is still burning And it's been some 450 years. That same fire, that fire of God, it's that eternal fire that burns on the altar. It's that fire that's still burning today. Fire has many uses. It could be used to destroy It can be used to purge or to purify. It can be used to bring warmth. It's a source of energy. But the fire is still burning. This morning, I'd say there's a distinct possibility in this room. And pardon my Pardon my illustrations for you that are younger and don't understand about an old cold stove. But there's probably some of us in this room could stand to shake that old grate. Pour in a bucket of fresh coal. Throw the damper open on the pipe. Kick a door wide open on the bottom. And let that old stove burn cherry red just one more time. Let that old stove burn cherry red just one more time. Let that fire. Let that fire come alive in your life one more time. Those of you that are watching at home, I hope that you stir up the fire. I hope that you break up the coals and pour the fuel on. But we're going to say goodbye to you right now because we're fixing to go into altar service and we thank you for joining us today.